You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York room. Brian. Scott, we're just getting into it. <laughs> well, no. no Wrong intro. vibe, then. <laughs> no discussion. No, there isn't. You hopped on, you hit record. <laughs> <laughs> You told me to. No, I know. I just, I wasn't expecting such a quick draw. <laughs> no, I know. We didn't even talk about what we're going to talk about. Right. We have no, I have no idea where, we, where we're headed, where we're going. That's again, this is another after dark and, yep. uh, you know, after dark things get, you know, we unloosen our belts and things get a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just a crazy miscommunication that's brought us to this point where I said, Brian came on a little, you know, he came into this chat thing, whatever we use, and uh, it was a little late, and I went to get a snack, and I returned. Brian was here waiting for me, and I said I had had a pretty bad day, and Brian said, well, let's do this before I change my mind. Oh, you know, I I didn't hear that, actually, (laughs) that part, because, you know, I'm having an issue with my headphones, and I, like, was Meth janking with it, uh, so I didn't hear you say that you had a very bad day. So I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> oh man, I thought it was a weird reaction. So I, it is <laughs> so a weird God. reaction. It would would have been a weird reaction to somebody saying they had a bad day. All right, yeah, whatever. The hell with that. Let's get going. <laughs> That's what I thought you were saying. That's why I record. I was like, ah, Brian has no time to suffer my foolishness. Right. I don't want to hear about your bullshit day and what's going on in your life. Let's record the show. (laughs) Oh, my God. Also, this is perfect. Your internet is cut out, and it's cutting out at the exact perfect moment for this podcast because it's almost like you... We're about to say the funny part, but we'll just end up bleeping over it. Um, okay, I'm going to turn my camera off. That way we don't... I think that helped last time, so we'll... Uh, it did. It gave you the upper suffer. hand? Yeah, you'll have to suffer through no... Not not my face. Not the pleasure of my face today. <laughs> so what, what shall we begin with? I think where we should start... I, I don't know, because I really want... I'm curious your take. Um... You know, there's an argument that we should never talk about the New York football giants ever again. Oh, I didn't, I had that. That's actually, it's funny because that's in my mind was the least lop, least likely topic you'd begin with, but yes, okay, let's but see. I want to hear it. The head coach today came out, was asked to explain his belief that the team is, is moving in the right direction and launched into like, a nine minute um, soliloquy about explaining his program and why people should believe that progress is being made. It was, it included, you know, how he's teaching them how to practice and culture and human beings. And, you know, it was a very weird speech that he gave. It was very long. (laughs) And, and I was just, did you, have you heard about it? Have you read about it? Have you seen it? Well, no, because you sent me the link. Um, 
you sent me a link that the title of like was like Joe Judge's sixteen hundred word diatribe yes. on something ridiculous. Um, and I tried to, I did try to read it, but I was, uh, you know, I had a, I was supervising a basketball game tonight, so I didn't, I really could. Okay. Um, but yeah. So what were you gonna? Oh, do I well, need to have read it? Probably, but I do feel like today is the day that like Joe Judge lost the New York media is what was the, my takeaway. Like it felt like okay. the benefit of the doubt from them was lost today, <laughs> like because it was like absurdly long and rambling. And he kind of went on about how like when he took the job, he made it very, very clear that like there were no quick fixes. Like it almost felt like him. I don't know, almost sending a message to the ownership, you know, that like, well, this is what, you know, I promised you it was going to be, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, nobody right. cares. Nobody cares about what's going on behind the scenes or that practices look better or that some kind of vague culture is being established, you know, like the team is going nowhere. <laughs> Right, they suck. They're terrible, and that's all that matters. Yeah, right. It doesn't, like, (laughs) it's almost, it's just embarrassing. God, I I mean, I can't, part of me can't believe that it took this long. But thank God that the day came anyway. Who cares what practice (laughs) looks like? Don't ever tell me about a good practice ever again. Right. Do what you got to do during the week, Joe. All right. But it also because had a long thing I gotta about say, how he looks in their eyes and he can tell from looking in their eyes whether they're oh my engaged God. or not engaged and that the eye test, they're passing the eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, you know, they look the part when he's speaking to them, I guess. Right. So basically what he's saying is that they they suck. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They suck. That's what he's saying. Because they're locked in. They're engaged. They're improving. They're totally buying in. But the team sucks. Right. (laughs) So they suck. What's kind of interesting (laughs) about it. That's the point. What's kind of interesting, I don't know, you remember when Shermer was in his last days and he like, he he made sort of a similar speech at one point, but it was really, it was at the end of the season when they had, you know, they'd had that good second half where they, whatever, won four games or something, you know, and finished five and 11 or whatever the hell it was. And he kind of gave the same thing about we have a super young team and we're starting to move in the right direction, but he like actually had a case, you know? Because, you know, Daniel Jones. Like... Uh, well, hold on, we're having a little technical difficulty here. Okay, we're back from a couple of technical difficulties we were having, but uh, lucky for all of you, we are better than ever. So, uh, Brian, you were just talking about the end <laughs> at Shermer's tenure and him giving a similar press conference, though probably a lot shorter. Yeah, I was just saying he kind of clinged to his job with the same sort of rationale of like young players, a culture being established. But he like he actually probably had more of an argument like Daniel Jones had played very well. Saquon Barkley was a good player. Um, 
you know, they, they, they had this emerging defense that was okay. Like he could at least point to a few things that he had actually improved, you know, like the offense right. was semi-functional. Um, Joe judge. It's like, he is none of that. Right. Also, Pat Shermer, zero near altercations with offensive line coaches um, that we were aware of anyway. And uh, also never hired Jason Garrett. Right. <laughs> right, which is a big one. Right. 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 He didn't fire his offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Like, yeah, you know, and I'm not saying like, I mean, I'm so, on the other hand, I've sort of come around to the idea that like Joe Judge amassing more power is actually the like the best we can hope for you know like of this offseason right. because like there's no ability for them to go out i have no faith that they would go out and hire a better gm or a better head coach and it's like at the very least he assuming more power takes it away from the people who have been in charge and at least it's him and we can, there's accountability, you know, like, it's like the way you sort of wish that like our government worked, where if the Democrats won, they get to like do, you know, it's like make it a more of a parliamentary yeah. system where like right. if Joe Judge is the guy, then Joe Judge is the guy and we evaluate Joe Judge, you know, like, um, I guess, yeah, I, program. that's probably the best we can hope for. Right. I, th- I guess you're right. Because that is what you want. Ultimately, you just want it to be about one guy, whether or not. They totally clean house, get a GM who then hires his own coach, and then you're evaluating the GM because the GM hired the coach. Or if Joe Judge is the guy with all the power, then fine. Then he's the one that we can all blame. But I guess that's what people wanted, right? Is for the Giants to kind of streamline, whereas they've always sort of separated church and state, and that's not really what people do anymore. Right. I mean, I think if I could wave a magic wand – you know, they, they clean house and they bring somebody in who has the full power to do whatever they want, whether that's judge Jones, whatever. But like, given that I have no confidence that they would hire the right person or that they like could figure out how to do that. Then I think like, you know, I think Joe judge assuming power and getting his GM choice is is better than like Kevin Abrams being promoted and then the Giants like still having this weird, you know, where the organization still has say and then judges the head coach. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like mm-hmm. whatever, fine. Unless um, plot twist. Much like Judge probably agreed to hire Jason Garrett just to get the job, and then also claimed Jason Garrett was his choice. Now, to save his job, Joe Judge declares that his choice of GM is actually Kevin Abrams. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? No. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that to me is very possible. And that would be bad. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the worst case scenario. Whereas, like, the best we could hope for is that it's somebody aligned with Judge who, like, they have at least there's some, like, coherency to the way they're doing business Um, yeah because i don't think like the thing that we would like to see happen has any chance of happening so we so we have to kind of say goodbye to that (laughs) so i get what you're saying you're and i you're 100 percent right and it's actually kind of funny because i was thinking today i was eating lunch thinking 
that we are just in an inescapable mess with the Giants. They yeah. have absolutely no wiggle room for personnel. This the team we have is the team we have. You know? So there's just what's the path to improvement and what sort of candidate are we going to attract for the GM job? So you're right. We could say goodbye to what we probably see as the ideal scenario. Um, and I would love it, I guess, if Judge could bring in his own guy and we could see what that is. But I don't know. Are you confident that that's going to be any good at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. They're in a real rotten mess. They really are. So is it possible if the media really turns on Judge after today? If they really are just like, no, we're not. Like, can that sway Mara, do you think? Or is it, he's already decided, this is already happening, and it's just going to be a slog. Joe Judge is going to hire his own GM, and unless it is an absolute slam dunk, grand slam combo, then it's just a matter of time before he gets ridden out of town. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's, I think that's what's going to happen, barring, like, an unbelievable collapse, you know, like, um, I do feel like, you know, that game, for instance, as bad as that Chargers game was, I guarantee you, like, hey, we scored three touchdowns in that game, you know, we haven't scored three touchdowns in a long time, we don't, we don't go out there and score three touchdowns every week, Scotty, you know, we, uh, (laughs) no, we don't, that's, that's a, that's an outpouring. That's an outburst from the Giants' offense. So, right, you know, they probably liked that. Oh, hey, look, we showed some fight down the stretch there. We did. We battled. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think there's probably some like let's say like like we lose forty five to seven to the Cowboys and then on and on. But I don't know. Imagine being in football your whole life. Like, truly, truly raised in football. And you watch that game that we saw on our television <laughs> sets on Sunday. And your takeaway was, showed fight down the stretch. Right. Like, imagine ever thinking that. I, I, I just, they should be stripped to the team. You can't think that. Yeah. Yeah, the Giants are so bad, I was wearing a Giants hat in front of my kid's school and a guy in a giant's jacket who I'd never talked to before, but I, he was like another parent and he just turned and saw me and he was like, Hey, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, and we had like a whole talk. I was like, I don't know. He's like, I don't even, I can't even, I'm supposed to go to a game next weekend. I don't even want to go. You know, <laughs> it's just like, who can two, blame him? Two strangers. He yeah. just saw my hat and he's like, I got a vent to this guy. What the yeah. hell is going on? <laughs> I don't know, sir. I don't know. Oh, I don't have any answers for you, but tune in with the Giants Among Men and we'll you'll feel our pain. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I it I have a Giants hat that I intentionally don't wear because I don't want anyone to talk to me about the Giants. <laughs> it's it's like too upsetting. You know, I don't even want anyone to make a remark like, oh, the Giants, they're wearing a Giants hat. Like, just no, don't talk to me about the Giants. I hate yeah. them. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's what we're getting at. And then we can move on. But it's like, I think what's just so brutal is like, I don't know what to say, but like, I don't know what 
they would do like trade two first round picks for russell wilson or something you know like yeah i mean are they gonna do that no like i don't know how to like talk about them (laughs) right (laughs) like what i guess we have those two first rounders like draft a draft an offensive lineman and a defensive stud and then you know like hope for something you know what i mean it just doesn't feel like i don't know what to suggest they do um which is just jump off a a bridge it's a lonely place to be yeah yeah like i don't know from you know there's no like expert commentary of like here's how to fix the giant i don't know i don't know what the hell they should do Right. Right. And I guess it's it's just it's so fundamentally broken. It's I do. I hate them. Like I love them and I am a fan of them. But right now I really hate them. Yeah. Like they, really. they bring they don't bring joy to my life. They do the opposite. They make yeah. me angry. Right. They're really uninteresting too. They're just so uninteresting. Yeah. You know, it's like just, remember in the old like Isaiah Thomas years when the Knicks were so bad, but at least they were exciting. Like there was chaos around, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, there was personalities. Yeah. Like I would almost welcome a few giants hearing that they got in a fist fight with each other or something, or, you know, <laughs> totally like, like somebody like whatever gets arrested in a whorehouse. Like, just give me something. Give me right. Like some Be a hilarious train wreck at least. Right. Right. They're not even that. No, I would welcome right. like an Eddie Curry like figure on the on the Giants right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I miss Eric Flowers. Right. But right. I'd say that. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> right. There was something entertaining about him. You're right. Yeah. There's just nothing. I I just enjoyed texting you and Gropa like a rose emoji every time he let up a sack. You right. know, it was just like it was fun. <laughs> What are you going to do now? Right. <laughs> I know. No, it's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. It's very depressing. Very depressing. Should we just, I like, can, can we, can we jump to the topic that I really want to talk about this week? And that's succession. And I know we're a sports podcast. We're a giants podcast, but I don't care because I think you and I are both obsessed with the show and they just finished another masterpiece of a season. Yeah, Sure. Like I say, we just bump bump succession up to the B slot. Okay, here. yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I loved it, and I don't understand anyone who likes the show and wants to nitpick the season they just watched. I agree. I'm I'm, I'm sick of hearing the like even the the criticism that it was like at times repetitive or that the storyline hasn't advanced or or you know they're locked in some kind of cycle of the kids. Like, what do you want from a television show? Yeah, like they <laughs> nailed two straight season finales, like home runs, you know, which is not an easy thing to do. Like these yeah. seasons build to these moments. You have to, you know, it's then you're, you know, you're leaving an audience that's going to wait months for the next one. They have to deliver. It's really hard to do. And they knocked it out of the park, two straight. And I, even the first season, I would say they did the same, but yeah. Um, the last two are like all time great television episodes. The finale of the second season might be my favorite episode of TV I've ever watched. It's incredible. You're so true. I know. I know. And this season was unbelievable. What do you, exactly? Like, I think you just said it. What do you watch TV for? What are you want? What do you want from a show? 
there were people who were like, oh, it was too slow in the beginning. Or That's the show. That's this show. Right. They were clearly building to something. And okay, maybe the first three episodes weren't, you know, as dazzling as they could. Like, I could understand starting to feel like, hmm, is this going, where is this headed? Is, you know, it, it, are we going in circles a little bit? But, like, by the end of the season, if those concerns hadn't been allayed, like, I don't know what would have done it for you. Like, I can right. appreciate maybe having the thought pop in your head three weeks in. But, like, by the end, I mean, I literally watched it twice already, and I plan to probably watch it again. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I've been reading about it. I do just, I am, my succession has become an obsession. I am, like, definitely all in right now. I also think that people forget that Logan was in a coma for like four episodes in the first season. No, the first season, very much the same. Got off to like a little bit of a slow start. Yeah. And then burst to life. Um, you know, I think you're right. Like right when he popped out of the coma, so did the show. And, and he he's incredible. Brian Cox is incredible. He's amazing. <laughs> Everybody in the cast, it's like really hard. Everybody everybody Everybody's has amazing. a solid case for being the heart of the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like every even Connor, even the oldest brother. So you I was you thought Kendall was dead. I did. Oh, did yeah. I just also that do I have to should I have prefaced with the no spoilers and blah 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 and uh yeah, I not guess not enough people listen to us to make it matter. Um, well, but, if yeah. they do, this just watch it. It's, it's we're recording this on Tuesday. This is going to air on Thursday. If you're you're not a fan of Succession, if you haven't watched it, so I right. don't know what to okay. tell you. Right, you know, right. um, there was enough of a preamble too that we were you could understand we were going to talk about it. Um, yeah, it was. Made but fair. anyway, you were thinking he's dead. Yes. So my thought was that uh, that. It was just there's really only two possible outcomes for Kendall, which was death or completely severing all ties with his family because that's the only way that character can find happiness. And, you know, I don't want to cater to the succession is getting too repetitive people, but I just sort of didn't see the show doing like another season of, you know, broken Kendall or whatever, whatever was like, you know, his spot in this current cycle. So it just made sense that, uh, you know, he would have to move on in some way. And then there's, you know, that, that Jeremy strong New Yorker article that got so much buzz made it sort of seem like he was on his way out from the show. Uh, woes Lambry on the, uh, prestige TV podcast from the ringer, was pretty adamant on their episode on Friday that he thought that that interview was actually a work, that it was almost too perfect, that it was almost like Jeremy Strong was almost a real-life Kendall Roy in that interview. And the way everyone talked about him was like very Kendall and how it was just too perfect and too over-the-top and sort of mirrored too perfectly how actually in the season Kendall does some stupid profile for Vanity Fair. And it's like almost he's doing the same thing. And he's like, he was adamant. He's like, I think this is actually a work. I think that interview was actually kind of a work and like uh, a diversion to really, really sell that Kendall had died. And I don't know that I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but I don't know that I don't buy that. 
so that it was like part of the rollout was to make yes. pe- to make people think that he was dead. Yes. And that he what but knowing he wasn't. Right. Interesting. I can't I can't say that I think that's wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean the timing was definitely really curious. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, my point is though is that there was secret option C because I guess what I never accounted for is I never I just never thought that uh Shiv and Roman would be able to join forces with Kendall in a believable way. I just didn't even think that was on the table. And then little did I know that not only was it on the table, but of course they would just do it in the absolute perfect way. Right. So brilliantly. Like the father kind of has had enough of all of them and, you know, um yeah, and, I don't know. And Kendall gets them to come with him by admitting what he did in season one, which is also another thing that ha- like had it had run its course and had to be resolved in some fashion. Yeah, I just I th- I feel like once like also when the show when the episode started like it kind of um right away sort of shows you why he couldn't die like just the, I don't the tone like the humor in the show like it's so dark like it's all these yeah. jo- like if they're suddenly there at his funeral you know like the immediate joke that Roman makes is like Kurt Cobain and the floaties or whatever you know like just <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean just right away like how would that all played if he was actually dead um, and man god that character the joke about like the gin and tonic when the guy confesses oh that he's you know, just amazing. Just amazing. I know. They were all so perfect. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, you take that call and I'll stay here with the feely feels. Right, right. Oh, God. I, it's just, they're all such fascinating characters. Like, Roman Roy is such an interesting character. He is like such, you know such an awareness like he's so just naked about like i don't give a shit about anybody i don't believe anybody else does either (laughs) you know and yet on the other hand he's like the most family oriented of all of them you know what i mean like and he think believes that like oh we're all just fighting but like like he thinks they're all gonna be i don't know you know what i mean like he's nothing without them and he's obsessed he's there his whole world is that family and those siblings and like um I don't know. It's so fascinating. I mean, that's them too. It's so funny. Like uh, a friend of mine was, you know, he lives on Staten Island, this guy I work with and he has three kids and he has a huge family and his wife has a huge family and all their kids all play together. And he was like telling me once, he said, yeah, I got to get my kids out more. It's like, they're weird. They look at kids, the other kids, and they're like, well, you're not related to me. Right. Like, you, why are you talking to me? And that's such a Roy vibe. Like, Right. They only know each other because there aren't that many, you know, multi billionaires running around in the world. So they don't hang out with a lot of other people. What else can they relate to? Yeah. Um, But what was, I just had a a thought that, damn, it just left my head. What were you saying about, oh, about, um, about Roman? Roman, even, I remember whatever that episode was when um, they all gathered at, uh, they were like in Kendall's daughter's room. Where like Roman brought Kendall a gift, and it was also like really perfect. I because re- I remember it; it really stood out. Where you know he bought Kendall a gift, and Kendall actually kind of said thank you, and Roman was just like, oh, "Don't say that. Open or don't, I don't care." But it's like, all right, but you bought him a gift, weirdo. Right. <laughs> 
but you're right. He is like the most family oriented guy. Like he is also, as you said, he's naked about how about certain things. And I think he's just naked about he loves his siblings too. He like, you know, will cut them down in any way he can, but he loves them. Right. And then his dad, like he that his his appeal was like, Dad. Right. I'm your boy. You know what I mean? Like love. You know, it was yeah. like what? <laughs> And his father's like, what? You know, right. what are you talking about? But That's... like, I don't know. He's waiting there thinking like he's going to, that's going to win him over. Right. Also, killer Logan Roy line right after, <laughs> right after he incredulously screams love in his son's <laughs> face. <laughs> right. <laughs> he then goes on to call his three children Nosy fucking pedestrians. Right. <laughs> <coughs> right. <laughs> wow. Like he's really shooting from the hip here. Right, right. <laughs> oh, it's the best. It's like, yo, <laughs> Dad, aren't you gonna don't you love me? Right. Isn't love. that gonna win the day? Like, no. <laughs> nosy pedestrian (laughs) so is succession now is it assuredly a mount rushmore show for you i mean i don't think so just because you have to land the plane like you know Mm -hmm. i think these shows are hard to bring bring in like it's hard to bring it down you know there's there's some shows that i think were you know like like it's almost sad the way people now remember Game of Thrones, like as though they didn't enjoy that television program, or as though it wasn't like a colossal yeah. achievement in TV making, which it was. Yeah, but they yeah. didn't land it, you know, and like there's no doubt they didn't. Um, and in fact, not only did they not land it, they like cheapened the whole experience. Like it felt like you felt like that show was about so much, and then the way they wrapped it up, you were like, Oh, was that show? Like not, was it just like dragon porn? And like, you know, like it felt so much less than it had been. So that's true. I think you have to wrap it up and like, you have to, you know, you have to finish it to time it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's so hard to like, know what to kick out. Like, I guess Mount Rushmore, you mean like, would you say like top five TV shows of all time or, I know there's are there four five guys? guys? There's four guys, there f- but I, there's four. You know, four is hard. Well, I would say with four, for me, it's Sopranos, Mad Men, Wire, Breaking Bad. In my, I have the same four. Yeah, it's what, hard to like kick something be? out, right? That's what it is, right? And that's what I'm saying. It's like I do think. I mean. I would be stunned if Succession didn't land the plane. Or maybe not stunned. Maybe that's because it is hard. Like, even you could say, I have Sopranos at one, and did they land the plane? I don't know, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think they did in a credible way, you know? Like, I know people have a problem with that last scene. Um, Yeah. I I don't think there was anything wrong with the way the story wrapped. Um, And I think that last scene has aged pretty well, actually. Um, it has, and and I do think so. I, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. Um, you're you come from a family of artists, and you too yourself are you know you, you're an artist. I would say. <laughs> um, so 
you know, David Chase for so long would not address the ending. And then he finally did and still didn't just give a definitive answer, but he definitely gave an answer that satisfied me perfectly. And to me, ultimately, it was better than just definitively saying like, yeah, he's dead or no, he's not dead. Yeah. He, you know, he talked about how that scene itself was about death. And I, I remember you talking about it even back then about how that was kind of the only time we could experience what it was to be Tony Soprano out for onion rings with his family. Every time that bell rung, it's like he, you know, and he's created a life where he has to feel a sense of danger every time he hears that bell. Um, and there was a lot of that in it. And it was just like an incredibly satisfying explanation. And I loved it. And uh, so I was listening to an interview um, you know how Kara Swisher does that sort of official succession podcast for HBO? Uh-huh. So she interviewed Jesse Armstrong and was asking him questions like, what would you say was the theme of the season? Or when you, you know, when you and the writers plotted it out, like what were the themes of the season? And he just like kind of wouldn't answer the question. And I can't tell if that really annoys me or if I just have to, like, respect it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always loved I always like preferred the ambiguity of, of the, the end of the Sopranos, like that he didn't sort of address it. Um, like I, I found I feel like he's sort of leaned too far now in the direction like he's he hasn't confirmed he died, but he's close to it. Right. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's like it's weird to play coy with like the themes. You know what I mean? Like, I get you want people to take what they take out of it. You don't want to like over guide those conversations. Like, part of the fun of being this into a show is like making it up. You know, talking like talking with people about it. Like, what do you think it's about? Like, yeah, what are they trying to say? Um. So he maybe doesn't want to like wade into it. Um. Well, so he did have other interesting things to say, to be fair to him. Um, and, and it sort of made me come around to his side of it. But it's interesting that you say that because, it, it, of course, it drove me crazy uh, that David Chase would not talk about the ending. I hated it. I hated it for so long. It drove me crazy. But ultimately, he and you are, are right. Because I decided for myself long ago that Tony died right there, was killed. And that we died with him in that world. Right. And uh, I just came to that conclusion on my own. And I had made peace with it. And it, it enriched the show for me knowing that. And then now that David Chase confirmed it, it's like, it's just, you know, it's a cherry. And it's great. But it was fun to come to that conclusion on my own. Yeah. It just took me much longer. So I agree. And one of the things that Jesse Armstrong talked about in that interview was how, like, you know, he has an idea. So she asked him, and I think, I can't remember whether I asked you this on the show last week or if I asked you this on Chat. But if let's just maybe rehash it quickly. Does Greg love Tom as much as Tom loves Greg? They talk about this, Jesse Armstrong and Kara Swisher. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Tom. So, Greg's like the great love of, of Tom's life. And I don't think, I think, Tom, I think Greg is afraid of Tom. And 
he's still that's he's still got a little bit of arm's length like he's he you know he's the only one who pays attention to him he's the only one who keeps him in the loop like he needs tom desperately because otherwise he has nothing he has no insight into you know what i mean none of that none of no one else is talking and they both have that but like tom both desperately needs greg and truly loves him (laughs) truly loves him and although because and i'm a couple of people i've i've read and listened to have noted that there is like a sexual tension between the two of them that's mostly emanating from tom right but i did note that in the uh kendall birthday episode uh when you know i think like tom and greg start to give each other some shit and then it, it it gets a little too personal and they're both starting to get mad and uh greg tells tom that shiv is out of his league and then or how did he get a, a girl like shiv and then tom said something like he's hung like a horse and he fucks like a know, bullet train fuck, yeah 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 something <laughs> like that right and uh and greg, greg responds with oh prove it yeah <laughs> tom was like what yeah. but but I felt even that maybe Greg was like, you know, why would he? Why would you say prove it? That's a yeah. weird thing to say. Prove Although, it. You know, I read that that was like uh, he improvised that line. Greg. Oh, really? Yeah. What's his name? Nick Fron. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know. I totally think the sexual thing is there, like that simmering. But I don't think it's like it's it's like they will never. That will never happen. And I don't right. think that's really what's going on there. Like I think Tom. He's like a son, you know, and, he, and he's, he wants kids. He doesn't know that he's going to, if he's going to get it. Right. And this is as close as he's got, you know, this is like right. this one guy that he can like mentor and, you know, what can he make of Greg? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I think he, and I think that joy that he has when he's telling him that he's maybe going to be, you know, married you know dating this like royal family member or whatever like i think for tom that's like my my son is look at what he's accomplished look at what i've done with this like puddle right. of nothing and yeah i've brought him into this like the lion's den and he's hanging in there you know like yeah yeah oh that's it that's see that's great and so this actually this is the case i guess for jesse armstrong not saying what he thinks is because now then you get to interpret it. I really liked what you just said. I really (laughs) say, I really like that. Um, but he also, he made a great case because what he ended up saying was, um, you know, he has his own ideas about that relationship, but he's never told, uh, Nick Braun or Matthew McFadden. And so they have their own individual interpretations of that relationship that they bring into the characters and the way they read the lines. And like, you know, as someone who's not in the biz, I don't necessarily think of it that way, but it's also layered in the way where, you know, Jesse Armstrong has created the characters, but he doesn't control them totally and completely in some ways. And so there's like layers to the interpretation and we all just get to make up our own minds. Right. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about, like, is it in the Pantheon or whatever, like, Mount Rushmore shows, like, it's, it's, again, I, I still do think you have to, like, let it play out. It has to, fin- has to like, 
stick the landing and all that. But I will say, like, I've never been as obsessed with a TV show as <laughs> I do feel like just totally engrossed by it. Like I could watch it all day long. I don't know. It's just something about it really is. It's like the Godfather had, but with like incredible comedy in it also, you know, like yeah. it has every bit of all that drama and depth and like, amazing acting and beautiful like the cinema you know like some of the sets are just like everything is so nice to look at and yet then it's also like so funny sometimes you know yeah like like as funny as any show is funny it's really incredible yeah no i i totally (laughs) you're so right i mean it's like right and it's also it's game of thronesy like they're in king's landing for the most part you know like all the intrigue and the drama it's so the landing the plane thing yeah they do well it's more like i think that they have to not suck at the end right like on your mount rushmore give me like scale of one to ten everybody's series ending so sopranos madman uh the wire breaking bad I would probably rank Breaking Bad as the number one series finale. Right. You know, it's interesting because I feel like when those shows first ended, I would have, like Breaking Bad, I would have said it's hard for me to imagine that getting knocked out. Like I would have probably said when I first watched it, like Mad Men would be the one that would maybe slip. But then I've rewatched Mad Men a lot. And a lot more than I would watch. Like, I don't know that I'll ever go back and watch Breaking Bad again. You know, which isn't we tried that. like a negative it's about tough. the show. It's just the nature of the type of thing it was. Like so much of it was the suspense of not knowing what was going to happen. So plot driven. Yeah. And, and and also it's like it's a tough world to spend that kind of time in. Like none of these none of these shows provide you with easy worlds. But like crystal meth is a real tough world. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe I will go back and, and and take another look at it at some point, but it just feels harder. It's like, yeah, all the twists and turns, like they just don't, how can they hit again the way they, I mean, maybe if you watch, live enough time and you don't, you forget. Um, yeah, but you're right. The other shows are more about spending time either with the people or in the world or whatever. With the characters, yeah. Yeah, and that's what Succession is. Right, right. Yeah. Like, I would watch a spinoff show about literally any of the main characters. I would watch a spinoff show of Frank and Carl having lunch together every day. I would watch... (laughs) (laughs) Just talking about the Royce, like like a 25-minute comedy of that. I would watch that, you know? I would watch, you know, Connor in New Mexico. I would watch a show about his presidential run. Like, I would watch anything. Any one of those characters, I would watch a standalone show about. You know, it's so funny because we're going to get so much of this, like, world building where they... And it's, like, so... Like, The Sopranos, for instance, I know HBO Max. Obviously, they made the movie. They would love to do some other Sopranos story, you know? Yeah. But it's so hard to, like... Like, I feel like Disney Plus is right, is is in the process right now of, like, where they got, I know Marvel is, like, the golden goose, but, like, some of these shows don't seem like they're really moving the needle. Like, 
a certain, you know what I mean? If you don't really think it through, I don't know. You know, like they're going to make a Game of Thrones spinoff. I, I heard, didn't that get chopped down or something? Or didn't it get canceled after they made the pilot or something like that happen? I don't know. I think they're definitely, I think it's still going to happen. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Is it about the Targaryens? Is that ultimately what it is? I don't know much about it. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I just know it's like, it's interesting. Like, I don't think you can just like order it, you know, like do a Sopranos. Like you have to like, it has to be, there has to be the fire still has to be lit in the, the way anything is. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I mean, it has to be good. It has to be good. Right. It's so hard. Like, it still has to be good. Yeah. Like, I, I, maybe this isn't, uh, you know, put it, but like Sex in the City. I don't know if you watched, you know, to come back with this. New... I've heard. Yes. I didn't watch it, but I heard about okay. it. Yeah. And so you know what happened. I won't spoil it for you. Or will, will I spoil I, it for no, you? I do. I know what happened. Yeah. Okay. My well, wife, I could hear Nicole crying. So one, there's like, you know, maybe it's not. I do consider that a, like a classic show. I think, you know, I watched a lot of that show, like whatever, if that makes me, you know, not a real man or whatever, <laughs> fine. But I think it's, it, it earned its place as a notable show in the culture. And yes, I, I thought that they actually had a very satisfying conclusion to that series where the two of them get together, blah, blah, blah. And they then embark on two movies that were both terrible. First one is maybe defensible, although I'd argue still ridiculous that they then have a movie about this where she and him break up and like, Jesus, you know, like right. maybe you're not made for each other. But anyway, if they end that one, they get together. They make a second movie that is horrendous, you know, that makes no <laughs> sense where, and then she again has another bout of insecurity in this relationship, you know, like, and then the bring him back, bring back this new show, kill the guy. <laughs> they don't get the, the, one of the main characters won't do it. They fight through that, you know, like when Kim Cattrall said she wouldn't do it, you don't get to do it. Like, right, right. They have this convoluted thing that like she's in London and can't make this we watched like there's like 10 seasons of these four people being best friends the husband drops dead in the apartment and she doesn't fly home because they're in some stupid feud like you know what i mean like if do you care about like i don't know just talk about like diluting the legacy of something until it like means nothing it's just like just leave the thing alone yeah that's so true but That's then you're so like, true. I don't know, are we being too, am I too precious about this stuff sometimes? Like, look, they're just making art. They're just making shows, trying to make us entertained. But I don't know. If it's supposed, you're supposed to care about these characters, you can't just do anything with them. Yeah. I also think with Sex and the City, like, that is something where you just don't need to reopen it unless you really have something to say. And I know that sounds very, like, I don't even know, meta or whatever. But it's true. Like... No, There's I, enough there that if if you're going to keep going, have something. Yeah, do you have a story to tell or what? Or are you just trying right. to like, yeah, goose subscribers, with like, which is what I think. It's like, all right, this is right. probably, we'll see a 2% bump, which look, hey, that's all they're trying to do. But 
I don't know. It's just like, God, man, not every grape needs to be squeezed of every ounce of juice. Yeah, all right. Like, there was no other way to come up with that 2%? Like, no other way? Right. And again, if, like, What's-Her-Face wanted to do it and you had a good idea, like, fine. But, I don't know. To, like, ruin the character story and then, like, murder the husband. (laughs) 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 Episode one. It's just like, what are we doing? this installment. God. You know the other thing on that which on that episode like every show like there's just like seemingly no show that is handling like talking about woke and gender any of these issues and it, it, it's all so do you finding that it's all so clumsy like except succession kind of I think right no they do it well but like otherwise there's so many where it's just so like ridiculously overt where people are saying things that nobody says in real life, you know, and then of course I don't know, it's just like, I can't take it anymore. Nobody has handled it with like any intelligence feels like. <laughs> yeah. It's hard though. And why are they especially bad in this? Yes. There's an especially terrible scene where like one of them is taking a class with like a black professor and she like, you know, makes some comment and then is like, Oh, I read, you know, how to be an anti-racist. And like, it's just so like horrible. So cringy, you know, it's just always so cringy. Yeah. Well, I think part of the problem is it's like, it's very cringy. I don't know. Do you have anti-racism training at your, at your job? You know what? I haven't, I, we had, we did have one, like, we had Robin D'Angelo, like, did a talk, but it was over Zoom during the pandemic. So right. we didn't, ha- we weren't, like, in it together. Um, no, I know it can be just a cringy subject. I don't know. I just haven't found anyone do it in a way that felt authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I bet that's hard because it's hard to do it. You know, I mean, it's it's so funny because I just feel like most of the the ones that I've been in, it's like I think you have a lot of willing participants who it's like, then it's like, OK, but for this work to be real, we have to get uncomfortable. So let's get uncomfortable, share something uncomfortable. And people, people are like, well, this no. is, I still I work here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need this job. Right. I need this like money. So I'm just going to like say as little as possible to try not to get myself in trouble. And everyone kind of feels that way. And then there's just also some people who understandably are then like, well, we can't make any progress if no one's willing to take a risk. And everyone's like, yeah, but I'm at work, so I'm not willing to take a right. risk. Why would I do that here? <laughs> right. And so it's just like, it's sort of inherently problematic in that way. And so it's just always frustrating because everyone's sort of just stuck in that. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is, it's, I imagine it's also very hard to bring it out into art. Um, I hope I don't get in trouble for what I just said, but I think I, you know, expressed. No, but I see, I think there's a way that would be a good scene where people, it's like they're really dancing around it rather than like, some you know white guy clumsily says something horrible and then you know what i mean i don't know i just yeah. feel like it's not um as just i just haven't seen anyone do it with any deafness i guess I don't know. right right well i think i think that's you know maybe to to bring us full circle i think that's what was so unbelievable about this 
season of succession that was so funny where Kendall was clearly so fake woke uh, where Roman calls him Wokahontas. Right. He, and he's perfect. Great. Right. He he's nails okay. it. Yeah. Nails it. But the alternative, which are the Roy, like the rest of the Roy's, like no one looks good. I don't, you know what I, I Kendall, you're a fraud, but also it's not okay to be the you other guy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's just horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Oh my gosh. Do we want to take five minutes on the Knicks? Not really. Me either. <laughs> you know what other um, show I did, I, I've been watching that, um, have you been watching the Sex Lives of College Girls? No, but. It actually gets pretty good. That show has a similar problem of what I just described with some cringiness around those issues. But one thing right. I also think is funny about a show like that and that like no one really does that well or like it like no one really accurately portrays the effect that alcohol has in these settings like they show people drinking but like you know what i mean like there's not people like drunk that off it's either like you're so drunk you're like beyond or you're like it has seemingly has no effect on you at all like when right. you're in college, like you're so drunk all the time when you're making <laughs> right, all, all the of these decisions, you know, and like it, the way care. I don't know. It's just somehow it's like the alcohol is there, but like not there. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. how to how you would do it because it's like you can't just have people slurring for 30 minutes every show. <laughs> but it's like it's very hard to like communicate it properly. Yeah, it's about creating the the exact right sort of like feeling in it and that's that is really hard to do like in relationships and stuff when these characters are like one you know it's like they're dating or whatever it's like how much of it is just like man they're drunk you know (laughs) yeah right right (laughs) yeah and at parties when you're talking like god who knows what the hell you're saying or how you're saying it (laughs) i don't know there's like no in between it there's no way to act like moderately drunk you know you're either like you're talking totally normal or you're like uh you know you know what i mean there's somehow like no appropriate way to do a scene where it's just like understood that these characters have had like eight beers (laughs) right (laughs) maybe that should be like an experiment that we do maybe we should drink eight beers like at some point right. and then just videotape ourselves for an hour and that, see what we're like that in that time. And we could accurately represent like what people are like when they're <laughs> yeah. in that state. And it, it does feel like that's like missing from entertainment. Yeah. Well, that's the content people are here for, Brian. Right. <laughs> All right. Maybe one of these days we'll do this show drunk or we'll start, we'll start <laughs> drinking and then we'll, that would actually be fun. Yeah. We should do we a do show that. where we drink throughout the show so that we can see how the conversation proceeds. We'll start dead sober <laughs> and get drunk. <laughs> That's like a brilliant idea. Yeah. All right. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll have to figure out what we drink. Like, do we just drink like a cocktail or like shots well, I, or something? Or like I was going to say, because that's like an hour is not that long. It's almost like we should 
I don't know. Like the next time we're together or something, we should do like a half hour stone sober, then like have some drinks in a reasonable amount of time and then get back on and do the second half hour or something. I don't know. It's, I think it's long enough. If you like, we could start with a drink. It would just be interesting to see by the end. Right. The conversation. (laughs) What has happened? (laughs) (laughs) My dad already has described our show as only laughing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this will help, <laughs> right? I mean, it would be hard to argue that we didn't seem drunk at the beginning of tonight's episode, right, right. which is dove in. But I'd like to hear conversation with like a moderate buzz. No, I agree. I agree. And then, yeah. We could then, then, then maybe the the people from Sex Lives of College Girls will hear this episode right. and be like, "These guys nailed it." Let's this get is them more in here. accurate dialogue. Yeah, yeah, this is what we need. Right, call those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And then we're we're soaring into the skies. Right. We'll be the next HBO Max programming. All right, anything else for our listeners, Brian? No, I'm Yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm very tired as well. Ugh. Ugh. I know. I don't even, I can't even get started. All right, Brian. <laughs> and our fans, thank you as always for listening. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org.